Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today we're talking about how your emptiness can lead to your next adventure with Tori Henderson. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I'm so glad to be here with you again. You know, I really am glad to be here with you again. I know I'm just sitting here by myself in my office talking to myself, but I'm imagining you. I'm imagining whatever you're doing, probably walking the dog or driving. I don't know. I hear all kinds of things and it just makes my heart sink, (laughs) but I'm seriously glad to be here with you today because I want you to um, listen to today's interview. I know you're going to get a lot from it. So today's interview is one of those times when I have a lot of fun in my job. (laughs) And I have to say, I am so fortunate to have fun on the regular with my job. But today I get to reconnect with somebody that I met and actually trained with early on in my coaching career. And I can't wait for you to meet her too and hear her story. But just quick, before we get going, I want to remind you of a new fun thing with the Women in the Middle podcast. It's called the Podcast Club, and you're invited to join. The Podcast Club is basically a book club experience for the podcast. We're going to be going deeper into the podcast conversation started in a recent episode. It's super easy club to be a member of, too. You get a Zoom call with me once a month, an easy-to-use podcast guide. I call it the Go Deeper Guide with thought-provoking questions to help you apply what you're learning on the podcast to your own life. And there's also some fun surprises along the way, including prizes. You'll also be able to chat with me directly and share your thoughts with me and other like-minded women. So don't waste another minute. It's shockingly affordable. So check it out and sign up at www.susierosenstein.com and click on the Podcast Club button. I can't wait to see you in my Zoom square. Okay, so as a midlife coach, I hear a lot of amazing women in the middle talking about being a little envious of other people having more fun than they are. (laughs) Can you relate to that? Sometimes it's someone who got up the nerve to leave a job that wasn't serving them anymore, or maybe someone who finally started to take lessons for whatever it is that they always wanted to do, or somebody figured out how to live somewhere exciting, or even start a business that has them smiling all over the place. Well, whatever it is, I think you can imagine if it didn't happen to you that you felt envious, I think you can imagine it. So you're going to meet someone who noticed that she felt a little envious when her kids were up to their ears in the adventure of going away to college and realized that the way her life was going was going to need to change if she wanted to have some adventure herself. My guest today is Tori Henderson. Tori is a master certified life coach teacher, and owner of LifeCoachingForParents.com. She has helped thousands of overworked and exhausting supermoms release self-pressure so they can more fully enjoy their life as a mom. Tori is the host of the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast and is devoted to helping moms release the guilt and calm the chaos so they can enjoy harmony in their hormonal homes. Without further ado, I'm thrilled to welcome Tori Henderson to the podcast. There is no doubt in my mind that you're going to be quite inspired by this interview. So please enjoy. Hi, Tori. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. 
Thank you for having me, Susie. I'm super excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I was so, I've been watching you on Facebook. And first of all, we go back a little ways. We did master coach training together and it's just been really fun. I mean, you had, you had uh, some really cool work experiences that you were working on during master coach training. I remember all of that. And I was like, wow, I was so impressed with your work and your creativity, especially. And so on Facebook, when I was seeing you here and there, I noticed that you were, you know, coming into being a woman in the middle, starting to deal with all the crap with the rest of us. And in particular, your kids were starting to make their way in university and it was bringing all kinds of stuff up for you. So I was so interested to talk to you about the way you were feeling, what was going on in your forties, and then how you started to dream again to come up with what I think is an unbelievably exciting plan for your future. So let's dive in a little bit to that. Tell us a little bit about what was going on for you in your forties. So in my forties, I was very busy as many moms are, right? So I had my online coaching business and I always knew that I, the online business didn't resonate with me. I am a people person. I like to be out in the world. But I loved coaching clients and over the phone and Zoom was, you know, just the best way to do it. And so I felt balanced because I also had a part-time job in the teaching and the schools, And I was driving my kids everywhere to volleyball games. And, you know, there was so much busyness that I felt very engaged in my community and schools and kids and parenting. Uh, and it was great. It was exhausting but fulfilling. But then they started to leave the nest and with them took my social life, my community. I mean, COVID and my kids leaving the nest and getting their driver's license. I mean, really it was the driver's license thing. And COVID happened at the same time where all of a sudden my community disappeared. Hmm. My peripheral friends disappeared. Like I you know, I used to see the people you would just watch volleyball games with, and there was just people to interact with. And so all I had was my online coaching business, which I loved, and then I didn't want to get it up, but just to sit inside at home on my computer or on my phone for, I mean, it was 12 hours, hours a day, because you're like, the day would end, you're like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to just watch TV. It's just sitting <laughs> in front of a different screen, you know? So and true. So I was like, something needs to change. That was not right for me. You know what? I remember too, when the first kid went to university, it was kind of exciting and scary, but I had the other two to keep me busy. And it was, I was fascinated by the way their relationships changed, the dynamic changed. And then the second kid goes to university. And now I had one kid alone at home who was never the only because he was the third. And that was fascinating and different. And then when he went, I really noticed everything that you said, except we didn't do volleyball. We did some other things. It was gymnastics, but <laughs> same thing. Mm-hmm, and, same idea. Yeah. And, and then, uh, I noticed though that I really missed the social life that involved their friends. And it's not like I was yes. hanging out with them outside of the home, but believe me, we structured things so that the home was fun. So they came over. I knew of them all and. And boy, if they were around, there would be a plate of nachos. Like I did anything I could to, to make it Keep fun. Mm-hmm. And they're friendly and social and fun. And I'm friendly and social and fun. 
I loved hanging out with them. And that just got so quiet. In my scenario, like my daughter's friends were nicer to me than my daughter was, right? <laughs> so I no, I did not expect to miss my child's friends. That was really, I expected to like miss my child, but I really was sad. I feel like they're my friends and then they're not calling me or texting me anymore because they have their driver's licenses or whatever. And they didn't come and they went off to university and I want to know how they're doing. And that was really a surprise for me. Yeah, it was for me too. And I have to say though, that just this weekend we were invited uh, to a little celebration because one of those friends got engaged and mm-hmm. I am a second mom to that kid and, and was acknowledged as such, you know, and, oh, and it was God. just so sweet. So I guess, I don't know. It's just really nice to know that those relationships are real, even though they're different right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that you noticed that too. And yeah, crazy times, crazy times. But here's the other thing that fascinated me about your story is that you also picked up on this feeling that you had a bit of envy, perhaps, that your kids were starting adventures and you didn't have any adventures on the books at all at that point, right? Tell us a little bit how that played out. Yeah, it was really what, so my son and my daughter are four years apart. So when my son went off to, well, actually, I remember the day, it was when he decided which school he was going to go to because I was really enjoying the adventure that is shopping for colleges and traveling and looking and touring. And like, it was such an exciting new stage of life. I was so excited for him. I felt very involved in that. And then the day he decided, okay, I'm done looking. I'm going to go here. I was like, no, but but, but we still have to go check out the school. And we were going to go to the state. And I, I had the travel, the flights. And I was like trying to convince him to not, and I was like, wait, what is going on here? What's this about? And so I started to reflect and I was like, this is where his adventure begins and mine ends. And I did not like that at all. So the, that I was just going to go back to everyday life. And I watched, you know, the way my parents handled it when my brothers and sisters and I all left for university, they just lived the exact same life that we, they lived before just without the kids. The dog got a little more attention. That was about it. And I just kind of thought that was the expectation I had of myself. And I knew in my bones, I didn't want that. I remember like walking the dog around my neighborhood and going like, I, we have, uh, we had a lot of original owners in the neighborhood that would pass away and then they would plant a tree at the park or put a park bench there. And I would see the little placards and I was like, I do not want to die in this neighborhood. Like, I just knew that, but I didn't know what the next step was. And we tried to get my daughter actually to, we were trying to get her to go to high school because she was just starting high school. So we're like, okay, let's go to high school in Lake Tahoe. Let's go to high school in Costa Rica. Like I tried to get her to embrace an adventure and she was like, nope, not having it. (laughs) And, you know, we had kind of committed, my husband and I, that we wouldn't move our kids uh, if we could help it until they, you know, during those years when friendships are so important. And so we're like, okay, that's fine. I just thought I'll just travel once a month. That was what I called my sanity plan. Cause I quit my teaching job, my part-time job. And I was just going to do my online business and then travel once a month. 
sanity plan was working. I was having adventures, like just little local ones. One time to visit my son. He was a two-hour flight away. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And my sanity plan, when your sanity plan goes away, guess what happens? Insanity. (laughs) (laughs) I was just in a funk, just sitting at my computer, working my butt off. Again, loved the job, but it wasn't enough for me. And I started watching International House Hunters every day like a religion. I would wake up in the morning, I have my coffee, and I'd watch one episode, and I would use that to motivate me to go to work. Like, okay, this is what I'm working towards, something like this. And, um, and that was my little like morning kick in the pants, you know, until I could create a plan that was more exciting than watching other people. Oh, I love that. And you know what? You weren't the only one watching that because I was also watching that and I got a great (laughs) podcast guest. Um, somebody really popped out and I'm like, she has a great story. So I started to look her up and I found her and she ended up moving from New York City. After a whole thing, a lot went on in her life that she was ready for a change. And she went to um, Tulum, Mexico, and she <sighs> launched a mermaid business. Oh, I remember her. Yes. yes uh-huh. I've seen so, them all. So I, I put a, I will put a link in the, uh, in the show notes, of course, because her episode's amazing. But yeah, she, you know, helps people create a mermaid experience for themselves in this beautiful place. So it's just, so I love that show too, but a lot of people watch the show and they don't think, and this is going to be something I'm going to be doing soon too. So was your husband watching the show with you? No. Well, if it was Costa Rica, yes. Cause we had gone to Costa Rica and we had fallen in love with yes. it, like both of us mutually. So that's actually, I think how it started is we were really seriously thinking of buying a place in Costa Rica before COVID hit. And so we were looking and and trying to, yeah, figure out. So that was kind of, so he was involved with that. But then I started deviating. So my husband was uh, born in London, but his parents were New Zealanders. And so I was like, dude, you could reclaim some citizenships there. (laughs) And my son ended up getting his British passport. And my family, I found out my family could reclaim our Luxembourg citizenships. And so we started filling out the paperwork we were supposed to go during COVID uh, and have, you know, all the the cousins and everybody kind of sign the paperwork so that because in with Luxembourg, you could live and work at anywhere in the EU. Hmm. And so that was where with Brexit, London was a little more removed, you know, uh, so they couldn't, you couldn't have England and be a part of the Schengen zone. So we just started filling out some paperwork and just updating things and just keeping our options open. There wasn't really a plan other than Costa Rica. And if you buy in Costa Rica, you automatically get citizenship. But it was just sort of this, like, something to do during COVID that made you feel like you were making progress towards adventure without actually having adventure. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And that comes up a lot for my clients, too. And I've had People come up with a plan and then something gets in the way. COVID got in the way for a lot of people. Sometimes it's they're waiting on a secondment to be approved or uh, something with work stalls it or whatever. And that has come up too, that there's other ways you can experience like kind of like a pre-adventure with learning a language or immersing yourself in mm-hmm. some education or taking a webinar, or going to a special 
museum exhibit or finding all the local restaurants in your town that cater to that kind of cuisine. After we got back from Costa Rica, we were so enamored that I found the Latin American grocery store and we bought Lozano for the table, that sauce on the table. We went nuts because, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, But I love that. And COVID threw a wrench and you still capitalized on it. It sounds like you were shaking the tree. There was an adventure in your future. You didn't know what it was going to be, but you were going to create all kinds of opportunities for something to move forward. It's nice when you could have, you could zero in on like a feeling. Like this is the feeling that I want. Then there's so many different ways to accomplish it. If you're like, I'm not going to be happy until I live in Costa Rica, then you're going to be miserable. But I knew adventure was what I was looking for. So like one of the things I did when I came back from Costa Rica, because like we I was studying it, you know, we have a life coach, like, why did I enjoy it there? Like, I know a country cannot make you happy. Like, obviously, there was other elements to this. And so I was like, well, maybe it's because I was in water every day. Maybe it's because there was nature all around me. Maybe it's because I did things like, you know, going rafting and tubing and hiking and, you know, all these outdoorsy things. So I came back and I started, I called it the Mom's Adventure Club. This is for everyone listening. If you are craving adventure, you can start your own chapter of Mom's Adventure Club. It's for moms whose kids won't play with them anymore. And they won't, kids refuse to do fun things. So like you want to go paddleboarding, but your kids are like, hey, mom, that's boring and dumb. Or I'll do that with my friends, not with you. So we have this whole, we ended up with a group of, you know, women who still like kind of identify as moms, but don't have kids around to like hang out with. So it was sort of this like great bridge. And then you're hanging out with other people who are also craving adventure, but you know, don't have the highs of the young child. So it was a great, like kind of like intermediary step with this mom's adventure club. And then when COVID hit, that was something we could still get together. Paddleboarding is naturally social distancing, kayaking, you know, hiking, like biking. It was still something that we could do. So that was a really good bridge. You know, what's so funny is because (laughs) I remember being dragged along skiing. Skiing wasn't my thing. My family skis. I got to a point where I wasn't afraid, but I didn't really like it. So mm-hmm. eventually I, I convinced everybody that we should be doing warm, warm adventures rather than cold adventures. <laughs> they could do the, those things with their dad if they wanted. But anyway, uh, somebody I knew and went skiing with once pointed out to me that skiing had a, a major benefit. And that was it was too expensive for a lot of young adults to afford on their own. So if you wanted, to play with your kids and go skiing with them, yes. offer them a ski trip. They will come running. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. And she really convinced me that uh, there are ways to have more fun skiing and it involves not necessarily being on the slopes. Like for example, when you get a massage in your room or you find a delicious um, spiked hot chocolate that makes <laughs> go a little faster for you or whatever. <laughs> anyway, funny. it's so much fun that that conversation cracks me up. Um, but what I, I just love what you're doing though, is that you're not giving up. You're not like, okay, COVID's a drag. It was a drag for everybody. And there are still things that I can do to feel, tell me more what that feeling was. I know you wanted adventure, but when you tried Mm -hmm. to explore, what was that? Like for me, it's, it's a tingling kind of yearning and it always involves sun and (laughs) nature. It's like it for me, Costa Rica, the sloths. That was it. <laughs> and all those amazing birds. 
and the scenery being so lush. And anytime I go on vacation, I need nature and ocean is usually part of it. So what was it for you when you thought about, Ooh, what, what is that adventurous feeling that I'm really looking for? It was novelty. Mm. So when you've got a yearning, I would say like our, however you want to, our higher self, however you want to call it, our intuition, it, it calls us through two things, yearning and discontent. So I've got this yearning and the discontent of sitting at home and sort of waiting for my daughter to graduate high school with a yeah. lot of, you know, trying to live vicariously through her adventures with college and, and, you know, didn't work very well, but sort of the, the discontent with where I am and the yearning for anything new. And then when something happens to sort of pull you back the opposite direction, like I want novelty and then a pandemic hits that makes you kind of go in reverse and have the exact same Groundhog Day experience, that only makes the yearning and discontent bigger, you know? So it was, I was awaiting for my daughter to, to move out of the house and go off to uni. And then uh, during COVID, we ended up buying this lake house. Yeah. Tell me how that, how did, yeah. Tell me how that came up. Well, we had the money set aside to buy in Costa Rica. We had taken out this home equity line of credit. We were going to use it as the payment to buy in Costa Rica. And so then we're doing like the first lockdowns. And my husband uh, has, he has a high school friend that lives uh, up here, they'd had their cabin in the family for a hundred years or whatever. And then the house for, went next door, went for sale. So she got her best friend to buy that house. And so these are all my husband's high school pals. So then we were zooming with them during like the COVID lockdowns. And, um, it was like sunny and the blue water and the background and they were playing cornhole and which is social distancing and we're like we want to be up there and so we came up to sort of quarantine another place like rented a house from their brother and it just so happened this is the universe sort of steps in where this people were and real estate agents were not open at this time but this the neighbors mentioned to them like hey if you know anybody who's interested in buying a house like across the street from you we're gonna sell and it was just like, okay, <laughs> you know, I looked at that, I was like, yeah, fine, good enough, sure, let's, we got the money, okay, let's take it. It, it. We didn't look at any other houses, there was no forethought about it, it we were just desperate times, <laughs> called for desperate measures. At that time, to have two houses to go to was a sanity saver. And then to have friends up here already built in and outdoor living, and at the time, there was like no COVID cases up here, you're like, yeah. Oh, what, that's so great. And that's novelty. And you know, you're reminding me of another interview I did with a, a psychologist whose specialty was working with couples who've been married a long time, like, you know, over 20, 25 mm. years. And that was the, one of the main things she worked on with long-term couples as well was novelty. novelty. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And when I think about yeah. my job, um, my J-O-B before becoming an entrepreneur, I was there for 19 years in the field for 27 years and I loved what I did, but I was bored and Mm -hmm. it's not so easy to create novelty when you're part of a big corporation or where you don't really have, you know, the ability to make changes quickly, you know, right. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you can be nimble uh, many times, but 
um, that craving of novelty and how quickly you said yes about a move to, you know, you're, you're kind of rural. Yeah. I would say you're quite rural now. Right? We are definitely small town, small mountain town is how I would describe it. In the summertime, there's a lot more people and activity. Like our friends that live up here only come up in the summer. So there are some year round folks, but not as, not very many. So it's super quiet. And that was, so at first this was just the vacation house and that was no big deal. That was easy. What got hard was after my daughter went to college and we sort of made the decision to sell our primary residence in the city. And I say sort of kind of, because that's how it felt to me. It was like, uh, maybe, I don't know. I was like scared to say it out loud. And like, I, took me a really long time to commit. Like, oh, I think we're maybe going to sell the house. And it was because, and I, I really think it's because my parents didn't do that. They still live in the house that I grew up in my whole life. They are in their 80s and they never did that. And so it felt like I was doing something wrong. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, it's not and my great, daughter would great. agree that we did something wrong. Like my daughter is not happy. She does not like change. And we just assumed she was going to be like my son. Like he moved away and he's never wanted to come back. He's that's his new home now. And I just assumed my daughter would be the same because she was so ready to get out of the house and yeah. she was fighting for independence. But turns out, no, she's like, uh, uh-uh, I want to come back home. And so we took like a, I gave myself like nine months to clean, declutter. We had so much stuff. We lived there all those years, you know, sell off the furniture. It was a process and it was helpful to have the, emotional journey to help have my daughter like get used to the idea while she's hopefully getting used to school and living away from home and stuff like that. So there was a big selling of the house was a big hurdle and then moving up here yeah. for our primary residence, but it oh, it's what I, allowed us to, to take the next step. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, when I said that's great, I didn't mean that's great that you were in a lot of emotional turmoil. What I meant was, as coaches, I think, and I'm sure you think it's so much fun to find thoughts you didn't really understand that you had and the impact they were having on <laughs> your life. Uh, so to really realize that your, your parents and what they did and what you made it mean that that was the right thing to do and right. you were doing something I else. Was it's breaking it's, a rule. Yeah. It's <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. Okay. So then when you made that decision, to move, like, why exactly did you make that decision? It was really to, well, it was to fund a lifestyle that was a little different, that, that was a little novel and had some adventure associated with it. So we, if we did our house that we lived in was not a easy house to be away from. We couldn't really rent it out because it had a big backyard and a swimming tool and a hot tub. And it was like, you know, we couldn't, we tried, we tried to get my husband's mom to move into it and like, we'll live upstairs. You live downstairs. We, it, she didn't want to. So we ended up, we couldn't rent it out. So we just had to, to get out from underneath the maintenance mm. and the money of that, that that house required. And like I said, I didn't want to die in that neighborhood. So it was like, okay, we're going to cut ties and move up to the lake house permanently so that we can then travel and for us, it wasn't just like taking vacations because my husband is a workaholic. <laughs> but he's what I originally got me into life coaching because I was like, how do I deal with this <laughs> stressed out husband of mine who's like so obsessed with work? 
And so it was one, giving me everything I'm looking for, this traveling, but two, this, I wanted to get him away from his addiction for a while to see what life is like on the other side. And so we just got back from, we spent like, I guess six weeks this fall traveling in Europe and We'd had one week of vacation where we moved around a bunch and then we worked for the for like five weeks and it was such an interesting adventure. My son was asking, he's like, what did you learn? I'm like, oh my God, we learned like five things every day, like about ourselves, about life, about what we want. Like, I can't even tell you because it's such rich learning experience, you know? But so we, so, we so, were in I- Italy most of the time. Okay, I definitely want to hear more about that, but I just don't want to lose this epiphany that you were insight. Maybe it wasn't even an epiphany, but that if you sold your primary residence, not only would you not be like your parents, and I'm sure they're amazing mm-hmm. in many, many ways, but in this particular way, um, you'd have a home base that was very different and novel. It was easier to manage, and then financially, it was easier to manage to free up- right a way to fund adventures. And, and what you're saying is that the winter is, you know, rural. So you're kind of more secluded in the winter and there's fewer people. I am, I am very nervous about living yeah. here year round. Like I've never, I'm a, from the Bay area. We've, I'm spoiled when it comes to weather and I am a social butterfly. Yeah, so for the sure. Thought of sitting home in the snow, being like snowed in and doing puzzles for days on end or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, like I, like I, I mean, I like audiobooks where I can walk and clean and do other things while I'm, I can't even just sit and read. So I am very, still very nervous about that. And I still haven't really done it. So, um, you know, we would come up for a, you know, a weekend or a week at the time for the last couple of years, but now to like live here and not have my teaching job, just to have my life coaching you know, online, I'm just like, oh, goodness, this is nervous. But it's that, like, novelty, right? Yeah. Where, you know, it was nerve-wracking traveling through Europe, too. And But that's sort of what I was looking for, is, like, how do I do this? What's this like? I don't even know who I am as a rural mountain mama. <laughs> but, so I just really want to put the the spotlight on this, though. Even when you made the decision to sell your home, you didn't have it all worked out. And I think that's really I had an idea. You had yeah. an idea. You knew what the next best step would be. And I think when when we're trying to figure out what the plan forward looks like, and this has come up many times on the podcast, as women our age, <laughs> partially because of culture and partially because of the way we like to manage our lives, we want things to be certain. We want things to be wrapped up in a little bow. We just want to say, oh, this is my future plan. I'll purchase that, please. And and then I'll bring it home and unwrap it. And there we go. But it's impossible. So it's hard to make decisions for many of us. And so what I, I see you doing is that you had to make some pivots with the original plan. And now you come to the next plan, which involves this mountain home and a sale of your primary place and a dream to have adventures and to have travel involved somehow, but you really don't know exactly what that looks like. You haven't ever spent a winter as a rural mountain mama by yourself up there, you know? (laughs) Right. So I just love that you made a big move, even though you didn't have all the answers. 
you didn't know exactly what was going to happen. You don't have certain, and it sounds like you don't have your next 10, you know, adventures planned out yet either. You just know that it's coming. I have learned that the more anxiety I have about something, the more it's going to be right for me, mm. which seems counterintuitive. But when I, I, when I look back, I remember the night before we left for Costa Rica for the first time, because now we've been back many times. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to go. It's going to be hot. There's going to be bugs. And like, why am I doing this? Like having this like pamper tantrum and like getting super worked up about little things. And I ended up loving it. And so there's, there's a trust has been built with my little anxious brain. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, the more worried I am, the more I'm like, oh, this must be something that's right for me. So I don't know why it is that way with me. I just, but it seems to be. But the way, what comes to my mind is when you're talking about it was what I teach my clients is that life is like that game of you are getting warmer. You know, the game when you're a kid and you're like, you're trying to find something, right? You're hot. You're probably up. like, oh no, you're ice cold. Like when you're far away from it. And so I have learned to play life like that game of like, okay, this, you know, Costa Rica felt so much warmer than, you know, staying in the Bay Area. And th- this idea of like, okay, selling the house at first felt colder, but then it started to get warmer and then warmer. And then it's like, okay, this is right. So for example, we were, the plan was to spend like eight weeks in Europe. And so I booked the flights, we go there after about five weeks, we're like, it's starting to feel colder to stay here. Even your husband like, picked up on that? Well, he, yes, he got sick. That was, <laughs> so he got it before I did. He got a cold and he just couldn't shake it, you know? And I started getting tired, like weird, travel weary, I would say, oh. just sort of overstimulated. I wasn't sick, but I was just like, you know, we'd go to this, you know, go to Florence and I'm like, oh, I want to do all these things. And then I would just be like, oh, I'm too tired to <laughs> do all these things. Just doing the trains all the time, moving from place to place. Mm. It ended up being a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what you don't know until you get there. And so you go there and you're like, okay, I, I'm tired. And I wanted to, we wanted to stay in one place for a while to sort of get into routine, but we disagreed on what kind of place. And so we never really found the one perfect place to stay. So we just kept doing a lot of moving and we got tired and he got sick. And so then it felt warmer to go back home than it did to stay there. Mm. So if you can play it like this game of like, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't know what I'm going to like. And you just pay attention to right now in this moment, does it feel warmer or colder to take that next step? But that's with the backdrop of trusting yourself. And your ability to make a decision because decision making can be so challenging. We're so many of us are afraid to make a decision. We're so worried about something deciding and then having a regret or making a mistake or, you know, and you didn't. So you're getting better and better at decision making too. That's what it sounds like. Like hearing your intuition. Biggest thing though, I want everybody to know because just like you're saying the biggest fear, when you really get down to it, like, what is the, like, why is this so scary to make this decision? It always boils down to what are you going to say to yourself about yourself if something bad happened? And so 
making that commitment to like, okay, if I regret selling the house, I am not going to beat myself up. That for me was the game changer because I am very good at beating myself up. And, oh, I shouldn't have done that. What was I thinking? Why did I do that? But if that's the worst thing that's going to happen, guess who has control over that? (laughs) So you just have to decide ahead of time that, like, if you end up regretting it, you'll just not beat yourself up. That's all you got to do and just pivot and, like, be like, yeah, I thought it was a good move. Now I wish I hadn't done it. Oh, well. Compassion is, compassion is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So you mentioned something about music in our pre conversation. Can you tell me a little bit about the insight you've had about music? I call it song angels. So I have read, I don't remember. It was just some book I read about like intuition. Like I'm not. Well, I didn't say that, but like, I, I was very curious about intuition. I grew up in a, a family of engineers. Let's say. <laughs> so, intuition was not a word that was familiar to me. So I was like, what the heck is this thing? Right. And so I remember reading this list of like 20 different ways your intuition can communicate with you. And a lot of them I didn't resonate with. Like, I don't know who, when the phone rings, I can't tell you who's calling before I pick it up. Apparently that's a common thing. Not for me. But one of the things on the list was something called, well, I think they called it or I called it. I don't know who called it, but song angels. This idea that songs can sometimes pop into your head that have a message for you or there's something to listen to. So I remember I was struggling with something. I was like going to bed at night and I was like, God, I just, I need to make a decision. I need to answer. I need to probably be, I need to know what the right thing is to do. And I woke up. In the middle of the night with the song, let it be, let it be, there will be an answer, let it be. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And so then I started like paying attention to songs that would pop into my head that I wasn't, I didn't just hear on the radio or nobody else was singing around me, but I just would have these lyrics in my head. And I would just listen to the lyrics and see, it's like, is there a message in here for me? And the one song that was... That could not leave me was the song, the cool change. Uh, now that my life is so prearranged, I know that it's time for a cool change. The little river band or something like that. And it was just, I would listen to the lyrics and he was talking about like being out on the water and that it was just, I've never been romantic but I just want to breathe the clean air and I want clean water. It was like, and I, it was just like, I would listen to that over and over and over again of like, yeah, this is what I want. I want clean air, clean water. I want a cool change and not because anything's bad or wrong with my current situation. And so just, I remember like being out on the lake up here in the mountains and sitting in my kayak and just this song, like, oh my God, I have totally manifested this, the lyrics to this song. It was just so cool. And that's where I think trust starts to come in, you know, cause you can look backwards and be like, I heard the song. I didn't realize I was taking all the steps, but I did. And now I'm here. And like, look how the, that there's sort of this, uh, a universe support that sort of you can kind of look back and be like oh like things were like this house coming up for sale when i wasn't even looking for it 
like, huh, I guess like things are sort of working in, in my favor. And my job is just to pay attention to what do I want. Exactly. Which is no easy feat, but you can get better and better <laughs> at it at listening yeah. and being curious for sure. So I have two questions I'm really curious about. Um, the first one is what do your kids think about you and who you've become, you and your husband with your lifestyle and your dreams and the way you're being open to laptop lifestyle, all of that. What do they think of you? Because in, in midlife, a, a topic we've talked a lot about is role models and mentors. And I just wonder, because clearly you are doing some bold moves. It's hard not to notice. I'm just wondering, what do you think your kids take on all of this is with you two? I mean, there's a couple things. One is neither wants to be an entrepreneur because my husband and I are. <laughs> I'm not sure how that one played out, but I mean, it's probably just not their personality, but, um, but yeah, no, I think they're definitely cool. Like sometimes, um, like when we were traveling, my daughter could get jealous. I remember sending photos. We were in Costa Rica. We're planning to spend every winter there now. Um, and I last winter we were there in December and, and my son lives up uh, near the Canadian border where it gets dark. But you guys, it's, there's not a lot of sunlight. <laughs> so it's like December. We're sending him pictures at the beach and all the sunshine. And he was like, Oh, you're killing me here because of the contrast, you know? Uh, so sometimes I get jealous, but they definitely are happy for us, proud of us. And my daughter's not happy that we sold the house. And she asked me, she's like, do you regret it? I'm like, not even for one minute. She's like, oh, <laughs> like she wants me to or something. But I think it is that like, especially for somebody, a child who doesn't like change of showing her what it looks like, how to do it, that the world doesn't come crashing down, you know, like you still have family that. I, I think it's really valuable, especially for her, because she would live in the same house forever and not, you know, change anything. And um, and the other thing is, you know, I was really worried with our last, like our travels to Europe, that I was going to, I didn't know how I was going to stand to just have my husband and I be the only people traveling together for six weeks, because we do not do a lot together. We're, we are used to accustomed to having lots of separate friends and separate times. And we don't, we watch different TV shows and, you know, so I thought, God, how are we going to survive together? And it was so great. Like the thing I was scared the most about was like our favorite part. It was like a second honeymoon. We both love that because when you're traveling, you just sort of have each other to depend on and everything's a little like new and scary. And, and, you know, there was some, Times we could do separate things, but um, I think the kids are really happy about that, that we're really enjoying each other. And mm, That's great. So one of the things that I know is important to you is not to come up with just one plan, but to think through a variety of plans. So where are you excited to go? What are some of the plans that are, you know, not completely ironed out, but coming together in your mind as priorities? Yeah. Well, I keep saying like, this is a science experiment, right? We didn't know if we were going to like working 5 p.m. to midnight in Europe, right? So that was a whole new thing. And so it, we ended up really liking that. Not, uh, my husband didn't probably get in a full eight hours because it, it was, uh, we did get tired, but to have the whole day to be like, what do we want to do today? And then sort of squeeze work in 
when it was dark outside just made so much sense since we're on the phone and computer and we should be outside when the sun is shining. It's just, we're not farmers. Like this is how people should live. So we ended up really enjoying that part of the experiment. But there was this moment. My my husband was hospitalized for what seemed like a stroke back in his 30s, I guess it was. And he was very young. And it, the doctors were like, it was ended up being a complex migraine that was stress-induced. Oh and so we come, he's out of the hospital, we go back home, and I am like the you're going to take good care of yourself. And I I am like hovering over him, like, you know, and he was still like work stress mode and he was not making the changes I wanted him to make. He did not take the wake up call. And I was scared, you know, he's like, you know, not only is the breadwinner of the family, but he's like the dad and my husband. And like, we, we were really dependent on him. And so I was like, you need to be healthy or else. <laughs> <So> you're <laughs> controlling and codependent, you would say. <laughs> So I remember just like walking the dog and just being like, what if he's not meant to be my only husband? Like, what if he's not meant to like live into old age with me? And it was just sort of kind of like a song angel. It was just like this, like this weight got lifted off my shoulders of like, I don't know what the future brings. You know, maybe he's going to be in an early grave and I'm going to just appreciate the 15 years we had together. And that was it. And maybe I got a whole life ahead of me that I don't even know about. And to sort of like stepping into that like uncertainty was actually quite freeing for me. And so this plan of living this mountain town and traveling with my husband, this is just one idea. Like, am I going to snow plow my own driveway if he has a heart attack? Like, I don't know. Doubt it. You know, like, pretty sure I wouldn't be living up here by myself. And, you know, so it's this, okay, like, let's say he has a heart attack. Let's say he doesn't want to travel anymore. Let's say he breaks his leg or whatever. Like, what are my four other life plans that would also bring me joy? And to sort of have them fleshed out for me helped me not attach too much to you need to stay healthy because I need this plan to work. This is my sanity plan, right? Like I learned that with my travel once a month, but like you don't want to invest too much of your sanity into just one plan. So to have some alternatives. So like for me, one idea I have is to like, I want, I would love to like wait tables in another country I go to a, go to Italian school, wait tables, practice my Italian and coach my clients in the evening. That, I can do that by myself. That seems like a super fun plan. I also, my daughter and I did this, uh, plastics cleanup in Costa Rica. We're cleaning up plastics out of the ocean. My husband would never sleep in a trailer with other 20 year olds <laughs> and share a bathroom, but I would. So I had fun with that. So like, if he decides he doesn't want to travel, like I can do these volunteer camps and I loved hanging out with the 20 somethings. They were, I felt 25 while I was there cleaning up garbage every day out of the oceans. You know, it was beautiful. So like to have like other things that also sound fun that puts, takes the pressure off of the one plan having to go perfectly and everybody having to be on board with it. And it's just, I, what I like about it is it gets the creative muscle 
going. I was like, well, yeah. what else? Okay, that's only three plants. I need two more. What <laughs> else could make me happy? And it just helps you see that when you identify the emotion that you're yearning for, there are many ways to accomplish that emotion. Yeah, that's so good. So Tori, this was so much fun. And I, I just love what you're doing and how you're being courageous and trusting yourself more. I know that you're still coaching parents uh, one-on-one who want to have good relationships with their teens. So what is the best way somebody can get a hold of you? They can go to lifecoachingforparents.com and they can sign up for a free coaching session or they can, um, you know, I've got some uh, webinars and freebies. I've got, in fact, if they're interested, they can do one of my most popular things is 15 texts to send your teen to reduce their stress and make them nicer. That's the <laughs> so best. You ideas. You can go and download 15 texts and it's at lifecoachingforparents.com. Oh my gosh, Tori, it's great. It was so much fun connecting again. And, know. you know, honestly, it's, it's one of the things I love Facebook for. I mean, you know, we get grouchy about Facebook, but there are a couple of things I love. I love getting a ton of birthday greetings from people from all different parts of my life. That's a fun one. And I also love just being a fly on the wall sometimes and just watching. And I was just watching what you were up to. And I started to get a little envious myself because I could see you were making bold moves. I could see that you were entertaining like big ideas that involved like selling your house and uh, talking to your kids about some things that were changing and, and really following your dreams. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I'm so glad you were available and I caught up with you and I see your space is so beautiful. I don't see any bears out the window yet, but, but I know that <laughs> they're here in any minute. <laughs> so I wish you all the best and I'm just so excited about your future. Oh, thanks so much. It was so great. Thank you for having me on the, this fabulous podcast. And it's always great to connect with you, Susie. Awesome. Take good care. Okay, that's it for this episode. Inspiring, right? There is so much here to think about. Tori did such a great job of being curious about her range of emotions as her nest started emptying. When you discover envy, it can be easy to poo-poo it away because of the way that envy gets a bad rap. However, envy can also be a window to what you're really longing, what you're craving, what you want more of in your life. It's a great time to pay more attention. Tori also allowed herself to take what I call the next best step. The next best step. I think this is a pretty reliable strategy to keep moving forward closer and closer to what you really want. I love how she used the getting warm game analogy from childhood to help make this point. It's impossible to have your whole plan worked out with a ton of certainty. I believe that the sooner you accept that idea, the less frustrated and confused you'll be. One thought and one step at a time in the direction that makes sense now. That's the ticket. <laughs> I really think that is what helps the most. Now, I know that you might be just a, a tad uncomfortable making some of the bold moves that Tori made, but take it as food for thought. Even if you're not ready to sell your house and move to the woods, what is something like that for you? Her plan didn't start out by prioritizing selling the house, but eventually it made sense as part of the plan. How might you be able to be more open to things that you like and what it might take to amplify them in your life? So what do baby steps look like for you? And here's a good one. 
Do you believe that your empty nest could lead to you feeling more full than empty? Now, that's a really important question. So check in with your beliefs about that. And if not, why not? What can you learn from being more curious about all of it? Are you up for this challenge? It could be way more fun than you think. Okay, as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. So my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so that you don't have regrets. I can help you create the success you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy with you in mind because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together so you feel great about your roadmap to a more fun, meaningful, and regret-free chapter. So email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free no-obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. And if you want to take a baby step, grab a breakthrough coaching call. It's a two-hour private coaching call that's a deep dive into whatever you want, anything you need to make a breakthrough because you are tired of spinning and being confused. <laughs> so head over to my website at susierosenstein.com and click the Coaching and Workshops tab, and you'll see the booking link there. And if you want to talk more about the podcast and have some fun with it, join the Women in the Middle Podcast Club by heading over to susierosenstein.com and also just click on the Podcast Club button. All the buttons are there just waiting for you. Finally, for show notes and links, head over to susierosenstein.com and click that podcast tab and look for episode 329. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.